Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hey, Cricket customers, Max with ads is included with your Cricket $60 unlimited plan at no additional cost. Nice! Max is the streaming platform where you can watch Scoob, Meg 2 The Trench, The Nightmare on Elm Street Collection, and so much more. Remember me. Just log in with your Cricket username and password to experience Max on all your favorite devices. We've never seen this before. Max, the one to watch for a good scream with Cricket. Yeah! Phone plan streams and standard definition. Programming subject to change. Fees, terms, and restrictions apply. See cricketwireless.com for details. You're about to experience the life-giving teaching of Bishop Kevin Foreman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center. To find out more about Dr. Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And no matter what, remember, love God, love people, and love life. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. Remain standing, if you will, go to First Timothy chapter four. Y'all so sound like a church. First Timothy chapter four. And I want you to get to verse number 12, 1 Timothy 4, verse number 12. Thank you for your prayers. I'm feeling much better than I was on last week because ain't nobody got time to be sick. You know what annoys me about, about being sick uh, is that it's such a waste of time. Sitting there coughing and sneezing and blowing your nose. It's just a waste of time. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. You got it? We are in our student takeover series. This is the Apostle Paul writing to his spiritual son, Timothy. He says to him, let nobody despise you because you're young. Let, let, let me go ahead and make it a little bit more personal for you because maybe you, maybe because young is, is relative. So let me make it a little bit more personal for you. Let nobody despise you because of your past. Uh, let nobody despise you because of your mistakes. Nobody, nobody despise you because you didn't do everything just right. He says, but be an example to the believers in word and what you say, in conduct, in what you do, in love and how you treat them, in spirit, in how you worship, in faith and how you serve and do the things of God and in purity. Say, I decide today. I decide. Say it like you believe it. Say, I decide today, I decide today. that I might be young, might be young. but I'm ready. 
Now, for you today throughout this message, uh, your, your, the real title shouldn't be, uh, you may be young, but you're ready. The real title maybe should be, you may be blank, but you're ready. So whatever your blank is, say, whatever my blank is, I decide, I decide. it is no longer an obstacle. Keith Sweat told me, I'm ready. Some of y'all don't know Keith Sweat's song. I forgot I'm in Denver. Forgive me. Father, speak to us today, whatever the blank is, whatever the obstacle is, whatever the, the, the boundary that we've put in place that you did not put there, whatever the issue is, maybe it's youth, maybe you're thinking you're too old, maybe it's your past, maybe it's your issues, maybe it's your insecurities, maybe it's your proclivities, maybe it's your nuances, whatever the blank is, today we decide that that blank has to go. I said, today we decide that that blank has to go. I said, today we decide that whatever's in that blank has to go. Because there are great things that you have ordained for us to do. And we decide corporately that we shall move and walk in what you have ordained. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. You know the title. High five two or three people as you take your seats. Tell them you may be young, but you're ready. You may be young. As we started this series on last week, I warned you that this was going to be very candid. So we're going to start a little slow today, but then we're going to kick in the fifth gear after a while. Uh, please understand, uh, as we move into this series, this is not just a series for students. It is to awaken the inner student in you. Say, I'm a student. But as we are dealing specifically uh, with this series, I want to say some things to you that young people are not hopeless. I'm going to say to you again, young people are not hopeless. In fact, at Harvest, our students are a big deal. I, 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 apparently, I'm the only one that believes that. I said, at Harvest, our students are a big deal. Some of you don't even understand the importance of it because you're just trying to live your little life. But if you'd understood that when you begin to make investments in those that are coming after you, what you are really doing is becoming a success because you are not a success until you have successors. I said, at Harvest, our students are a big deal. And we want everybody, but especially our students, to be actively involved in what God is doing at our church. And in this series, we're going to look at the big role the young people played in the Bible and the big role that they play in God's plans today. And as I've said this to you, it's going to be a series that ignites a passion for Jesus. Say passion. Say it again. Say passion. In the young people in your family, and it's going to awaken the inner student in you. Say it again. I am a student. Please understand, God can teach those that are in a posture of learning. Uh, you, 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 whenever you place yourself in a posture of learning, God now has the ability to teach you. It is only when you think you know everything that you are now setting yourself up for failure. That's why the scripture says that pride goes before a fall. What does a prideful man do? A prideful man thinks he knows what he does not know. So he acts on knowledge that he does not have as if the knowledge that he presupposes to have is real. You missed what I just said. You know folk in your life that you've tried to tell them, hey, wait a minute, look at this, look at this, and they just know everything that there is to know about everything. You tried to warn them, wait a minute, you might want to look out for so-and-so because so-and-so may not be good for you. They may not be good to you. Uh, they may say the right things to you, but baby, please understand, they messing around on you, and you sitting up here trying to tell them that they know everything that there is to know about everything, and then have you ever had to watch somebody self-destruct in front of your eyes because they could not be teachable? I'm here to tell you 
that's not just young people, but I met a lot of old fools too who think because they're 60 or 70 that they know something. Yet look at your fruit because your fruit does not represent that you know what you presuppose to know. See, before folks get up and start running their mouth about what they know, you need to check and see, do you have any fruit that supports what you say you know? God ain't been able to bless you your whole life. He ain't been able to trust you with nothing your whole life. Last Sunday, we started the series, and we said, don't act your age. And uh, we talked about how when Jesus was 12, uh, Mary and Joseph, his mother and father, or stand-in father, uh, you know, Joseph wasn't his daddy. Uh, we, we talked about how they had left, and they were down there for the feast, and when they had left and when they had come back, uh, they, or as they were going on their travels, rather, Mary looked over at Joseph and said, where Jesus at? He said, I thought he was with you. She said, well, I thought he was with you. You know, you, you said you was going to take care of him. It was a blended family situation, you understand. At, at that moment, now all of a sudden, he became her son rather than, okay. Y'all want to say nothing right now? At that moment, a bit of a blended family situation, and so, and so they couldn't find Jesus, and so they had gotten uh, several days' journeys off, and then they began to return back, and as they returned back, they found Jesus amongst the leaders of the church, and Jesus was there. Not only was he uh, speaking with them, not only was he asking them questions, but the scripture implies that they were asking him questions, and so they're having this dialogue, and Jesus was 12, say 12. But Jesus was conversing with people uh, who were, uh, were several years older than him, yet their chronological disposition had nothing to do with their wisdom. And so Jesus is sitting there having these discussions with them, and his mother shows up and says, Jesus, what is it that you are doing? Did you know me and your father? We have been looking for you. And Jesus turns as if with an attitude and looks at Mary and says, woman, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? He said, I know you think I'm a regular 12-year-old, but there's something different about me. I know you think I'm supposed to be out playing with Legos and playing on Facebook, but there's something different about me. I know you think I'm supposed to be a statistic like the rest of them but there's something different about me I think there's some people that have gathered in this auditorium today and that are watching online to say I know what the statistic says I should be but there's something different about me I know where I grew up says I should be doing this and should be doing that but there is something different about me and so Jesus said don't ask me to act like I'm a 12 year old because I'm not <laughs> Now, don't ask me to act like I grew up somewhere rough because I won't. Just because you grew up in the hood don't mean hood got to be in you. Or y'all ain't saying nothing. Stop defending all your ratchet behavior because you grew up somewhere rough. Just because you grew up in the projects don't mean you got to act project-ish. Or y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. When I'm not feeling well, the filter goes off. So y'all, I don't know what I'm going to say today. Good luck. Just because you grew up with parents who were in denial doesn't mean you have to be. Just because you grew up seeing mess doesn't mean you have to be that way. You do not have to be what you grew up in. So, Jesus said, he said, don't, don't treat me like them. <laughs> he said, if you only knew who you're talking to. He said, you had me, but I'm going to save you. So last week when we talked, we talked, I gave you four things. I said, number one, to live different than them. We talked about that. 
Then I said to be about the Father's business. We talked about that. Then I said to eat different food. We talked about that. And then I said to be the interruption to the dysfunction. Say, I am, I am. the interruption to the dysfunction of my bloodline. Now, now, now watch this. Watch this. I, I, I think sometimes we, we can lose sight of what's really going on because we get caught up in the day-to-day hustle and bustle. So, so, so let me give you some statistics. Now, these are specific to young people. L- listen to this. Listen to this. Uh, 23% of students uh, in, in high school uh, say that they have uh, recently, meaning in the last few weeks, uh, smoked pot. That's the 23% that told the truth. Uh-huh. 71% of students in high school said that they have used alcohol at some point in their lives. 71%. of your students are drinking. Okay, it's quiet. Can I ask a question? Can I ask a question? I told you we're going to start slow. I'm going to speed it up in a minute. Can I ask a question? Since, since alcohol and drugs and sex, for that matter, are all coping mechanisms, what is it that's happening to them in your households to where they got to cope with that? Are you that absent? What, what, what are they coping with? 71%. Look at this, 33% said that they've been in a physical fight in the last 12 months. Who are they fighting? What? What? 33%, a physical fight. Now, no Facebook fight. <laughs> Which, by the way, can I just say this? Because it's just, some of y'all just really need to just get together. <laughs> Facebook is not where you live life. Nor is Twitter, for that matter. Nor is Instagram. Children send messages. Adults talk face to face. So amazing, all the stuff folk have to say behind the comfort of a computer screen. Come see me. But that would require someone being a man or a woman. Being a male is by birth. Being a man is by choice. Life is not lived on Facebook. Life is not lived through emails. Read this and then call me. How about you grow up and then call me? Okay, it's real quiet in the church. I told you, the filter, I don't know what's going to come out. Listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. 48% of our students in Colorado, in this state that I'm currently standing in, 48% of our students have active sex lives. Active sex lives. My question is, where did they get the concept that that's all they're worth? Is it because they saw all your uncles and cousins coming in in the middle of the night? 
Well, where did they get the concept? Where did our young ladies get the idea that that's all they're good for? Where did our young men get the idea that that's all life was about? Where, where, where did that come from? Where, where did that come from? Say, I may be young, but I'm ready. Now, remember, young here is just a stand-in for whatever it is for you. But now watch this. Watch this. There's two men today. Say two men. There's two young men I want to teach you about today from the scripture. And these two men were statistic breakers. Say that about yourself. Say, I am a statistic breaker. What? Can I ask you something? Especially Colorado folk. I don't get this. I really don't. Why do y'all fight to be average? Well, everybody else is doing that. Everybody else means average. You were not created by an average God to do average things, to live an average life. He, Revelation 1, 6 says he has made you to be a king and he has made you to be a priest and he's made you to be more than a conqueror and he's made you to be always overcoming and never being overcome. Why are we fighting to be like everybody else when you were created to stand out? But you're fighting to get treated like how everybody else gets treated. Watch this. Watch this. Say two men. Now, as we're going through this message today, because we got students in the room, and uh, we got younger students in the room, we got older students in the room, we got middle-aged students in the room, we got tall students in the room, we got shorter students in the room, we got black students in the room, white students in the room, Hispanic students in the room, <coughs> Asian students in the room, every other kind of student in the room. So whatever the blank is today, as we're moving through this, we're going to look at these two gentlemen's lives. And as we look at these two young men's lives, I want you to apply the same principles that they use to break statistics. And I want you to apply those in your life. Because here's the deal. Either you're going to happen to life or life is going to happen to you. Either you are going to be a statistic or you're going to be the exception to the statistic. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Life, when you begin to understand the kingdom, say the kingdom. The king, say the kingdom. The kingdom is heaven's attributes on earth. When you begin to understand that we're not dying to get over there, but we're living to bring over there down here. When you begin to understand that, you begin to realize that life doesn't have to be either or. It can be and. I don't have to be a Christian or have fun. I get to be a Christian and have fun. I, I, I don't have to serve God or be prosperous. I get to serve God and be prosperous. I, there's not a choice in the matter. I get both. Touch your neighbor and say, I get both. But, but, you, but you only get both when you make a decision that you're going to be a statistic breaker. So let's look at these two young men, and then we're through. The first one I want to talk about is Titus. For my note takers, write that down. If you're not taking notes, write that down. Titus. 
You've seen Titus because he has a whole book in the New Testament with his name attributed to it. Titus uh, is believed to be a Gentile. That means he was a non-Jew converted by Paul to Christianity, and he was consecrated a bishop of the island of Crete. Now, we're just going to talk about his life, say his life. Because sometimes when we read the Bible, we see as, as chapters and verses, which were later added by men so that it would make, so that it would make sense. But we, we sometimes forget that these are real people who live real lives just like you and me. Say real people. Say real lives. Now watch this. He's believed to be a Gentile, which means he was a non-Jew and he was converted by the Apostle Paul to Christianity. And Paul used him to take a fundraising letter uh, to the church of Corinth and to collect for the poor uh, in Jerusalem. And the scripture says that Paul even used Titus to appoint elders or presbyters in every city. And he remained uh, where Paul sent him until he died in his very old age. Now, it's important to understand that he was a Gentile. Say Gentile. Because uh, Paul, and we're going to look at this in a moment, Paul had two principal spiritual sons that the scripture mentions. And one of them, Paul uh, demands that he get circumcised. Now, you said, Bishop, why is that significant? Because if you were going to be preaching and ministering to the Jews, the Jews wanted to know that you were circumcised because circumcision was a sign of the covenant with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So for his spiritual son, Timothy, he says, you got to be circumcised because we're going to be dealing with some Jews. But for Titus now, watch this, he does not treat him the same way concerning the same issue. Okay, to touch your neighbor, say, stay with him. He, for, for Titus, he is indignant about ensuring that Titus does not get circumcised. Now, you say, well, why would he treat them differently? Here's the point I want you to understand. And this is what I was alluding to earlier. We often fight to be treated like everybody else. But when you're treated like everybody else, you can only do what everybody else can. You keep saying, well, why did God let this happen for this one and this happen for this one? But I got to go through all of that. Can I suggest to you that if he treated you like he treated them, then you'd only be able to bear the same fruit that they bear. Stop fighting to be treated like everybody else. You have a unique assignment on your life. You have a unique calling on your life. You have a unique thing you're supposed to walk out. And while you're fighting to be treated like everybody else, you're missing the uniqueness that is you. Paul, Paul, Paul demanded that Timothy be circumcised. He was indignant that Titus was not because Paul, uh, Timothy was going to be dealing with Jews and Titus was not. And he said, Titus, I want you to understand that you are not Timothy. And Timothy, I want you to understand that you are not Titus. You, 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 you miss what I'm saying. So, so in other words, he said, listen, please do not fight to be treated like the other one. Why is it that when you're corrected by anybody, you bring up what somebody else was not corrected about? Well, you said something to me. You didn't say something to so-and-so. Number one, how do you know that's true? But number two, what does that have to do with you? Could it be that the person doing the correcting has already given up on that one but still has hope in you? seems like my boss always picks them. Can I teach you something about leaders? Is that leaders normally lean into people that they see are going to be able to perform well. 
So when you're feeling extra pressure from whoever is above you, instead of looking at that and fighting to be treated like the regular folk, say, what is it about me that they see about me that they won't let me get away with that? What is it about me to where God won't let me get away with the same stuff that it seems like other folk are getting away with and God won't let me act like how it seems like he's letting these... What is it about me that's demanding a higher standard from me? See, if you want to go high, there's got to be a high standard. God can't trust everybody with greatness, so he can only trust those that can handle being treated differently than the crowd. And if you want to be treated like the crowd, then you should just check out now. God, God never, the whole, the, whole, the whole scripture deals with how God was interacting with his chosen people. I'm halfway through because I'm almost through with Titus. <clears throat> and, and the Jews, the Hebrews, would often say, God, we, we want to be like these other nations. God, these other nations have a king. And you're our king, and that's cool, but you know... <laughs> It's so cool. We want to be like them. God, you have blessed us to be a blessing. You have made us the head and not the tail. You took us out of Egypt overnight and you made us prosperous. You, you took us out of 430 years of slavery and promised us a great promised land. God, you've done all of these great things for us, but we want to be like them. So give us a king. And what's interesting is that God indulges them. Please understand, please understand, you got to get out of this thinking. But if God didn't want it to happen, he would have stopped that. That's not true. That's stuff that happens every day. God ain't got nothing to do with. But if the Lord didn't want me to marry them, he would have stopped them. You a lie. If the Lord didn't want me to get the job, he would have shut the door. You a lie. Now, let me translate. You a lie is a southern phraseology, which simply means the story that you're telling, good fella, is not accurate. There's stuff that happens every day God has nothing to do with. I, I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine being God, taking criticism for stuff you had nothing to do with. God, why'd you let this happen? Why'd you let this happen? Why'd you let this happen? How did this happen? Why did this happen? I, I couldn't imagine being God because I, I, I would just be the numbers 14, 15, 16 version. Amen. Oh, what'd you say? Just kill them all. Kill them. Just kill them. I'll start over. They fought to be treated like everybody else. And so they ended up living lives like everybody else. The other nations were broke, messed up, jacked up, confused, all kind of issues. And so God said, well, since you want that, since you want that so bad, you can have it. Since you want dysfunction so bad, it's yours. Since you want to be like everybody else so bad, be like them. Since you want to be like the people on the TV who what you don't even realize is they've been allowed to succeed so that they can continue perpetuating a mindset of slavery. 
because if they can perpetuate and expostulate a message to this generation which a generation is not chronological but it's pathological uh, and psychological if they can perpetuate and expostulate to this generation that the only thing that there is to be is a rapper or the only thing that there is to be is a music video girl and the only thing that there is to be is, is a ball player if they can say to this generation those are the only things that you can be then they perpetuate a mindset of slavery because you ain't trying to get them done with your life you trying to make beats in the studio now there's nothing wrong with that but there's more to life than that okay y'all here Say, I am not a product of society. Because that's everybody else. <laughs> that's what they say we're supposed to be. Isn't it funny? I don't have a problem with nobody out there doing well, but the world has a problem when any Christians seem to do well. And then they'll try to use the two verses they know in the Bible against you. You still here? Say, I will not fight to be treated like everybody else. When God has his hand on you, the rules of engagement are different. You don't get to act like other folk act. You don't get to go where other people go. You, you, you don't get to do the things other people do. Even when you try to fit in, you still feel out of place. I think I got a few witnesses here. Even when you try, okay, let me just talk real, real, since y'all don't want, since y'all want to act like that. Even when you try to go with your club friends, because you call yourself just having you an off non-Christian day, you don't even, you feel out of place. You sitting up in there rocking and clapping like it's a church song. You don't even know how to act average anymore, because God says, I've been lifting you up out of that mess. I've been pulling you up out of that mediocrity. I've been pulling you up. You try to get around your cussing friends, you don't even cuss right. Because God says, I've cur oh, y'all ain't going to say nothing to me? Don't act like you Denver folk got it all together, because you don't. When you try to get around negative people and be negative, you don't even feel right. Because God says, I died for you. I paid a price for you. And if you think I'm going to lose you, to them? <laughs> Say Titus. Titus' name in the Greek means honor or pleasing. <laughs> Missed it. God said, Titus, you please me because you were willing to be different than them. Did you get that? Being different than them means that sometimes you got to look at your bloodline and say, I love you, but I got to be over here. Because what you want to do is perpetuate foolishness. And what you want to do is sit up and bring up dead stuff. And what God has ordained for me to do is greater than that. And so while I could spend all my time sitting over here dealing with this foolishness, I love you, but I'm going to love you from a distance. Bishop, that's my blood. That's what a lot of average folk in the Bible said. And they got messed up over that. 
And Genesis, in Genesis, God's, but y'all okay? We're going to go into second gear in just a moment. I'm still in first gear. I know y'all like, when he going to shout me? I'm going to shout you in just a moment. In Genesis, when God was dealing with Abram, in Genesis 12, it's actually the second time God goes to Abram about God wanting to do something special with him. It's the second time. It appears that it's the first time, but the book of Acts makes it clear that it's actually the second time, which meant that God said, I'm going to do something I don't normally do, which is repeat myself. Because Abraham, there's something special and you're missing it. He says, I want you, I want you, Abram, I want you to go. I want you to get away from your father's house. And now his father, Terah, whose name literally means wild goat or loiterer, wild animal. He said, get away from him. Now he had died in the previous chapter. So he wasn't talking about him physically. He was saying, I want you to get away from the dysfunctional mindsets of your mama name. Because the boundaries you have come from your mama name. And you have to like what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to get you where, you where God's trying to get you. He said, I want you to go to something you've never seen before. I want you to experience a lifestyle you've never seen before. All you've seen in your bloodline is divorce, but I want to do something new with you. All you've seen in your bloodline is dysfunction, but I want to do something new with you. All you've seen is folk unhappy, but I want to do something new with you. Watch this. For some of you, it wasn't that. For some of you, they were real spiritual, but they were real sloppy. They prayed a lot, but they didn't have a lot. And so you think that serving Jesus means you got to be broke, but that's not true. And, 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 and God told him, he said, get away from him. And you know what Abram does? Abram does what we often do. Abram negotiated with God. He takes his nephew Lot with him. And he says, well, come on here, Lot. Now, I don't know where you're going to go. Come on, go with me. Go with me. Come on. I know you ain't got nowhere else to go. So I'm going to make somebody else's problem my problem. Which creates problems. He took Lot with him. And Lot's going with him. And Lot's going with him. And the Bible records a very interesting, very interesting message. God does not speak to Abram again until Lot is gone. There's a dispute that arose and they were fighting about each other's stuff and this kind of thing. And and, and there's this dispute that's going on. And it's interesting because I'm sure Abram wondered, listen, you wouldn't even have this if it wasn't for me. And now you got the nerve to get an attitude with me. Because a little of my stuff moved over into the area that's supposed to be for your stuff. But you wouldn't have stuff. Can, can we just have an honesty moment? Here we go, second gear. Have you ever looked at somebody who was acting brand new and you were trying to figure out where did your brand new come from? You wouldn't even have a platform had I not put you up here. You wouldn't even have had... You, you, you wouldn't have had that car had I not co-signed. Oh, come on, y'all be real. There's some stuff you've done to where you're looking at the person acting brand new and you're like, what? You wouldn't even have that. Abram, the Bible says God doesn't speak to him again until Lot's gone. And here's what's interesting. Because Lot was his blood. If you want to deceive somebody, deceive them in a way they don't expect it. 
Lot was his brother. And you know what ends up happening? Abram didn't know what Lot's name meant in the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, the word Lot means hidden agenda, hidden motive. God said, listen, Abram, I got all this great stuff I want to do for you. But if he's here, there's a hidden agenda and a hidden motive. They're not really here to build your thing, Abram. They're here to build their thing. So, God said, Titus, I'm, I'm going to honor you because you're pleasing to me. Because even though you drew up, grew up, watch this, as a Gentile, let me, can I make that modern for us? Even though you grew up rough. Can, can we be honest? Can we just have an honest moment? I promise you they will not span the cameras on us. Did anybody have some stuff in your childhood that was just rough? Can we just, only four of us. Wow, okay, I wish the rest of y'all would stop lying in church. Anybody have some stuff in your childhood that when you look back on, you're like, woo-wee. Even though he grew up rough. When the Apostle Paul walks up to him, I think he would have said it like Keith sweated. You may be young, but you're ready. He changes this man's life. To where now here this boy that grew up rough is now the bishop of the entire island of Crete. Because he was willing to be different. Here's the second one, third gear. You ready? Timothy. Say Timothy. Timothy. Now, you've heard Timothy because in the Bible, in the New Testament, there are two books that are attributed to him. What you do not know about Timothy, perhaps, is that not only was his relationship with Paul, the apostle, uh, very close, but he is the co-author of 2 Corinthians, the book of Philippians, the book of Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, and Philemon. In fact, Timothy is so special to Paul that Paul writes to the Philippians about Timothy, and he says these words, I have nobody like him. You know Timothy had to be a bad boy. For the Apostle Paul, this is a man who, whose handkerchiefs were used to ha heal people. You have to know Timothy must be a bad boy for the Apostle Paul to say, I have nobody like him. Watch this, watch this. Uh, he became Paul's spiritual son and really uh, his surrogate son, if you will. It's interesting because like Titus, watch this, the name Timothy means honored by God. Y'all miss what I'm saying here. Uh, Bishop, how did God honor him? God honored him because God gave him a way out of his statistics. You missed it. Bishop, what are you saying? God gave him a way out of his statistics. When God gave Tim Paul to Timothy, he gave him a way out of his statistics. You're missing what I'm saying. You being here is not just you coming to church. You being here is God giving you a way out of your statistics. Do y'all not speak the King's English here? This isn't just some church thing that we're doing just so we can punch a time card. God says, I am raising up a people called Harvest for such a time as this that can demonstrate my will in the earth and that can defy the statistics and that can defy the boundaries that have been put around them. I'm giving you a way out through the teaching you receive. 
I've given you a way out of sickness. I'm giving you a way out of poverty. I'm giving you a way out of issues. I'm giving you a way out of dysfunction. I'm giving you a way out of rejection. I'm giving you a way out of issues. I'm giving you a way out. I'm giving you a way out. And that's how God honors you. Sometimes God doesn't honor you by dropping the money on you, but he drops the knowledge on how to get the money. Sometimes God doesn't honor you by pulling you out of the mess, but he gives you the ability to get yourself up out of the mess. Sometimes God honors you by not getting you out the valley, but by giving you the strength to walk through the valley. Timothy was honored by God because God gave him Paul. Timothy's praised. Y'all still here? He's praised by Paul for his knowledge of the scriptures, and he is said to have been acquainted with the scriptures since childhood. Now, this is interesting because Timothy was raised by his mother and grandmother. He was raised by a single mother. He was raised by two women. Now, the scripture is not implicit and very clear about Titus, but it's clear about Timothy. He was raised by his mother and grandmother, which is interesting because... Here he is now being put in a box. You don't know your daddy. You're raised by a single mother. And what I found that's interesting for many is for some, the issue is not the absence of, it's the presence of, but the absence of. You missed what I just said. You can be present, but still not be present. He, he, uh, he, he's, he's put into a statistical category because you do know that they say when a father's absent that, that all of the negative statistics that can be measured increase. That more young men who are raised by single mothers go to prison. More young men who are raised by single mothers have substance abuse problems. More uh, young men who are raised by single mothers have every other uh, issue and in, 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 in the statistical probability increases because there is the absence of a life giver because the word father in its most rudimentary form means life giver. Therefore, if there is no father, then there can be no life given, which means they spend the majority of their life trying to acquire that which was never afforded to them by their father. Here it is, Timothy is placed into a statistical category. You're raised by your mother and your grandmother, which means you know how to cook and shop. Now, there's nothing wrong with either one of those. Amen. Ain't nothing wrong with catching a good sale. Come on, ladies, say something to me. Come on, y'all can teach us some things. Don't buy it unless it's on sale. Y'all can teach us some things. <laughs> Don't pay full price for nothing. <laughs> Fellas, we'll just go in the store. Let me get that one and that one. You ain't went online for no coupons or nothing. You just ain't tried it on. Just I think that's the size I was last year. I figured that's about the size of it. Well, go try it on. I don't want to try nothing on. That's just, it looked like it fit to me. That's just, and then you'd be at church pulling stuff all up and all. Cause, cause, okay, watch this. He, he, was, he was raised by his mother and grandmother. His father was absent. And he's placed in this statistical box now to where the forecast for his life 
is now diminished according to them because of the absence of his natural father. And it's interesting because, because his mother, Eunice and Lois, his mother and grandmother, those two, it's interesting because the scripture suggests that once they had done all they could do, that when the apostle Paul comes along, they turn him over to the man of God and say, I've done everything I can do. You got to take it from here. Watch this, because like Mary with Jesus, there's something special about my boy. There's something special about my daughter. There's something special about my this. There's something special, and I don't know what to do with it. They turn him over to the man of God. You, you, you see this happen often in Scripture. Hannah, she did this when Samuel was very long, uh, very young. She asked the Lord for a child. The Lord gives her a child. She has the child. The Bible says that she dedicated him back to the man of God. She literally takes her son, drops him off at the church, and says, I'll bring some lunch. <laughs> now, please. <laughs> I'm not at all making any suggestions as it pertains to him. You drop him off, you need to also pick him up. <laughs> I'm just being funny. Being facetious, being facetious. She, she literally, literally, because, because watch this, watch this. The man of God, Eli, who was the man of God at the time, Eli is there, and Samuel's there, and Samuel's a little lad, and the Lord begins to speak, and as the Lord begins to speak, you've heard me t talk, t teach about it first, uh, Samuel chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. And, and he's literally right there within a stone's throw of the man of God. So even in the evening time, the scripture suggests that, that he had moved himself into the place that the man of God lived because what God needed to do with him wasn't going to be done just across the pulpit. What God needed to do with him needed to be done through close proximity. Are you still here? Now, now, now watch this, watch this, watch this. Uh, I want you to, I want you to, to take this into mind. Uh, say, Timothy. You might be young, but you're ready to learn. You may be young, but you're ready to learn. Remember, young may not be your blank. You might be in a mess by now, but you're ready to learn. You might be stressed out right now, but you're ready to learn. You might be tired right now. But you're ready to learn. You might be ready to throw in the towel right now, but you're ready to learn. Now, 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 now watch this. This is interesting because as his mother and grandmother give him over to the Apostle Paul, the implication is he needs to learn from you. Hence the principle. Now, I want you to see something in Matthew chapter 18, verse number 2. You don't have to flip there. They'll put it up. Matthew 18, verse number 2. Because I want you to see this. It says, then Jesus called a little child to him. And set him in the midst of them, verse 3, and said, Surely I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Wait, wait a minute. Yeah, look at me. He said, unless you become like a child, you'll never see heaven's attributes on earth. The kingdom. Unless you become like a child, you will by no means see God's MO, God's modus operandi in your life. Now, somebody said, Bishop, what do you mean heaven's attributes on earth? Are people sick in heaven? No. Are people lacking in heaven? No. Is there issues in heaven? No. Is there drama and mess in heaven? No. So when we say heaven's attributes, what we're saying is how it is there, as Jesus prayed, it should be here. That's what we were sent here to do, to make here like there. 
Put it up, verse 3. Surely I say to you, unless you are converted and become as a little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You will by no means ever see God's modus operandi in your life. And verse 4 says, therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom. Look at me, look at me, look at me. You may be whatever your blank is, but you don't know everything that you need to know. And the best thing you can do in your life, I don't care where you're at. I don't care if you got a million dollars in the bank or I don't care if you owe a million NSF fees. The best posture you can place yourself in is the posture of a student. So rather than getting in a mess and saying, God, get me out of it, instead say, God, what do I need to learn from it? Rather than complaining about the way people are treating you, say, God, I understand what they did is wrong, but is there anything I could have done differently in that situation? Can I tell you something about your neighbor? Your neighbor wastes their crises too often. Never, ever waste a crisis. Never, ever waste an issue. Bishop, what do you mean? Whenever you go through something in life, you got to look back on it and say, what can I extract from that? What can I learn from that? Because if I didn't learn anything from it, I wasted that time. I wasted that moment. But if I learned something from it, even if it seems like they got over on you, you can say, but I learned that. Even if it seems like you got the bad end of the deal, you can say, but I learned that. Even if it seems like nothing was working, but I learned that. The best thing you can do is be a student. (laughs) Say, I'm a student. You might be young, but you're ready to learn. You don't know everything you need to know. You know enough to get you where you are. Where you are is the knowledge that you possess. Now, can we just take an honesty moment? Anybody want to see some improvement? Great news. That means we need some more knowledge. 3 John 1, 2. Beloved, I wish above all that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Soul is your mind, thoughts, will, emotions, which means as I grow in my mind, thought, will, and emotions, then I'll see health, then I'll see prosperity, which is shalom, nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken in all areas of my life, but it's directly connected to the increase of my soul. People often say, if I just had more money, Bishop, I'd be set. No, you wouldn't, because you still think like a slave. So you'd find a way to get your money back to master. Okay, y'all are going to say, it's going to be one of them. I'm in third grade. I was getting ready to shift, but I'm going to have to downshift. They, they have these shows that come on all the time. I've talked about them before, uh, about where people win the lotto. And, uh, and they win the lotto, and they win millions of dollars. And they'll go from overnight, be it. I saw one where a guy was homeless, and, uh, and he gets a lotto ticket. You know, he, gets, he you know, gets a lotto ticket. And he goes from being homeless to a multimillionaire overnight. And within five or six years, I forget the specific story, the man was broke. How you get $20 million and spend it in five years? I mean, no, let's do some serious mathematical computations. Okay, he was in Southern California. So, you know, even for a dump of a house, that's a half a million dollars. I mean, that could be a house with a broom and a toilet. That's a half a million dollars. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's say you want to get a Bentley. And you want to get a brand new one. 
and you don't want to lease it, you want to pay cash. And you want to get the extended warranty plan. Okay, so that's 350. We're at 850. Let's say you want a whole new wardrobe. Okay. We'll say 10 grand. You can't wear no $100,000 worth of clothes. And if you are, you ain't shopping right. You need Eunice and Lois to come help you shop right. People say, I spent $1,000 on that suit. You crazy. Let me show you how I can get you one that look just like that, but you ain't gonna show That just shows you a bad budgeter. That don't impress me. <laughs> so, so let's just, for the sake of being generous, let's say 50 grand. So where we at now, y'all? 900,000. What, what else? Let's say he wants to buy, buy his cousin a house. Let's just, say he gives, let's just say he gives another million dollars. Let's make it a cool meal to his family. That's 1.9. Where is the other $18 million at? Well, that's the net. Uncle Sam got his. <laughs> you, you're missing the point I'm trying to make is what you think is the solution is often not the solution. Because more money wouldn't fix your problems if you think the same. All it would do is uh, blow up the problems you already have. There's an old adage that says money doesn't change character, it just reveals it. If you think like a slave with $1,000 every two weeks, you're going to think like a slave with a million dollars every two weeks. If you have broke thoughts, See, y'all don't like what I'm saying. I don't. You have broke thoughts with $5. See, please understand. Please understand. You got to learn to where if you got $5 in your pocket or whether you got 50000 in your pocket, you still act and walk and talk like a king. No, you don't understand what I'm saying. But, but please understand. You got to learn how to say my circumstances do not dictate my identity. Please don't confuse who I am with what I'm currently going through. Please don't confuse who I am with what I'm currently dealing with. I may be walking through a mess now, but I'm still a king and a priest. I may be dealing with a little situation now, but watch him bring me out because who I am is not indicative of what I'm going through. <laughs> you still here? You might be blank, but you're ready to learn. Say, I'm a student. Just a few more and I'm through. According to the later tradition with Timothy, Paul consecrated Timothy as the bishop of Ephesus in the year 65 where he served as 15 years. Here's the next principle I want you to get. You might be young, but you're ready to serve. Now, remember, young there could be whatever your blank is. You, you, you might be confused. You might be stressed. You might be perplexed. You might be, you know, going through, but you're still ready to serve. Say, I'm ready to serve. Often what happens is people like to get cleaned up, then serve, not understanding that the process of serving is what cleans you up. Uh, scripture says, scripture, scripture, uh, oftentimes we think that, that if we do all of this and become all of this, that, that then somehow God can then use all of this. And, and while the thought process is very noble, the reality is, is that God doesn't often call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. Which means God will be, please understand, but people who ain't never been through nothing, I found something out when I read the Bible. God doesn't often like using folk like that. 
but folk that's got a little dirt, folk, folks that's got, and I don't know who I'm talking to, folks that's got a little bit of BC and still a little bit of AD, some stuff, folk that then been through some stuff and folk that's made some mistakes and folk that say, my God, God, I don't know how you got me out of that. I don't know how you got me through that. I found out that God specializes in using imperfect people to demonstrate a perfect God and to demonstrate a perfect kingdom. And it is not, let me get everything right so I can serve God. It is, let me serve God and he'll take care of getting things right. What are you waiting on? I'm going to take care of you as soon as I quit smoking. That ain't going to happen. Take care of you and figure out where the root of that thing is. Now let me be clear. I'm not judging you and sending you to hell if you smoke. I'm not doing that. You're going to kill yourself. I'm just trying to. Now, for everybody saying, that's right, Bishop, get him. But you eat too much. So let's not be judgmental. Touch your neighbor and say, let's not be judgmental. Say, work on you. Just, just you work out your own stuff with fear and trembling. I got me. You'd handle you. You still here? Here it is. This boy is a statistic. But because God connects him to the man of God through the Apostle Paul, here he is, a, should be a statistic. He should be out running the streets, playing dreidel in the alley. He was a Jew. So, yeah. You got it. Okay, you got it. <laughs> you know, selling his matzo ball soup. He should have been doing that, but here he is standing. The highest office of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he was ready to serve. Say, I'm ready to serve. Say it again, I'm ready to serve. Say it again, I'm ready to serve. Serving means not just when it's convenient for me. I got to move because I'm almost out of time. Timothy had not been circumcised. And Paul now ensured that it was done. Now, y'all understand what circumcision is in Denver, don't you? Okay. Because your neighbor's been looking real brand new at me the whole morning. <laughs> brand new is a new age colloquialism, uh, which means as if they are uninformed of the location and place that we're at. Watch this. Watch this. And Paul, Paul had to ensure that he was circumcised. And according to the text, it's to ensure Timothy's acceptability, as I've already alluded to, to the Jews that he was going to be preaching to. So remember, Titus, he said, absolutely not. He said, Timothy, absolutely got to do it right now. He treated them differently because he could see the difference in them. It takes one greater than you to distinguish the difference about you. You often don't have the propensity to do that on your own. Often there are exceptions, but most people do not. Please understand, it's believed by many that Paul performed the operation with his own hand. Now, Timothy was approximately between 16, 17 years old, approximately. Is what most theologians believe. Now, fellas. Most men don't like to go to the doctor. I'm different. 
I go to the doctor for anything. If I wake up and my head is too far to the side, that, come on, doc, I'm coming. But, now, check that out. What is that? Now, I pay you a lot of money, so I want you to tell me everything is good. And my foot start moving a little bit too much when I'm shouting. Doc, why is my foot moving when I'm shouting? I don't understand. But most men don't like to go to the doctor. But just, fellas, just for a moment, just, just for a moment. He, he's between 16 and 18, most theologians believe at this time. And the apostle Paul, by his own hand, as many believe, says, come here, son. And because he was a Hebrew, he respected and honored him. So he said, what's up, Pops? What's going on? What's happening, Dad? What's happening? Uh, <laughs> go on and drop him, son. <laughs> Dad, I do not understand the meaning of this. You, you ain't, son. Just <laughs> you, you ain't going to stand this. Now, this may hurt a little, son. And you're probably going to bleed a little bit, son. But you're going to be all right. Imagine his hollering and his screaming and his pain because he's not an eight-day-year-old boy. And they didn't have anesthesia the way we do now. The way we do now. They couldn't put him all the way under. Most they could give him some berries and some juices and just <laughs> some vinegar. Just say, well, I don't know, son. Just do something. Could you imagine the pain, y'all? I was just kind of talking to the men. Uh, you know, ladies, just, you know, you can put yourself in the mindset. Could you imagine that? Here it is. Watch this. I'm almost through. While in the natural, Paul was literally circumcising him. Watch the principle. There is a principle here that deals with correction. Okay, see, see, okay. All right, watch this, watch this. Whenever you see circumcision in the scripture, while it may have a literal meaning, there is also a spiritual meaning which deals with correction. Circumcision means to cut away that which is unnecessary. That's what some of you have been going through this year. God's been cutting away folk and cutting away stuff that was unnecessary. But here's what you got to understand. Just like it was I'm shaking my shot. Just like it was painful in the natural for Timothy, it would also be painful in the spirit for you. So you may be young, but you're ready to be corrected. You can only be trusted to the degree you can be corrected. And some of you wonder why God never does anything great with you. It's because he won't. It's because you're disobedient, you're rebellious, and you can't be corrected by anybody. And you've been where you're going. This battle received that. Check your fruit. It has. You might be young, but you're ready to be corrected. How do you act when somebody corrects you? Huh? It's quiet. I know y'all don't like this in Denver. I know you don't. It's written all over your face. You don't have to say a word. But I'm not going to stand in front of him and be accused of not saying what I was supposed to say. 
You'll get over it. And be back next week. <laughs> How do you take correction? If it's not the way you want to be corrected. My season's shifting. I've seen more failures in people because of their inability to be corrected. Ain't nobody going to tell me nothing. I'm a grown man. But tell your life that. I have men of God who can correct me. And I'll tell them, okay, sir, boom, 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 boom. Am I wrong? Now, normally I'm not. That's just the truth. But for the few times I am, they'll say, no, 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 nope. The man of God, I'm accountable to. Nope, nope, don't, nope. Mm -mm. Okay, yes, sir. Nope. All right. Not, well, I think my season is shifting. Let me get a second opinion. Let me get somebody to co-sign with my dysfunction. Because I didn't like what you said, even though I'm set under you. Let me go ask somebody else. How do you handle correction on your job? They're treating me differently than the rest of them. So here we go back. Now you want to be part of our average group. Okay. They're giving me more responsibility and not giving me more pay. Could it be that the additional responsibility was a test for the additional pay? In business, I, I, I've, 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 I've owned several businesses through the years and done business and business, I love business and all that. And, and, and there would be people who I would test how they would act when they didn't think that there was any reward for the addition of what they got to see what was really in there. Were they faking me out? Pretending or was that really them? And the way to test that is to give additional responsibility without additional recompense. Now let me see how you act. Say I'm ready to be corrected. Correction is direction. It's protection. It gives you the ability to have resurrection. He said, Bishop, how can I apply this real practically in my life? Just look at areas where what you thought you were doing right, the word comes and it says, mm, maybe not so much. Do you fight to defend your error or do you just correct? You follow what I'm saying? When I found out that fast food wasn't food, I was literally, it was the beginning of this year, and uh, it, was, it was, I'm almost through, touching him, say he's almost through. He's almost through. I said, touch your neighbor and tell him he's almost through. <laughs> I, um, it was right after our Daniel fast, we began the beginning of the year, and I was watching a documentary, uh, and, and it was about fast food, and then they were going through fast food, and they were saying how it wasn't real food. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe that's not real, but that's got to be real. And then they said, and that ain't real either. <laughs> 
And that's not real. And, that's not real. and I said, okay, so really what we're eating, because I used to wonder, why do they have to say it's chicken? Like, remember when McDonald's came out and they said 100% real white chicken? So my question was, what have you been serving us all the rest of these years? That you have to say that this is real chicken. 100% real beef patty. So what have we been eating? If you got to tell me this is real, you don't have to say first if there's no second. So whatever you're intentional about saying is indicative that you're trying to create a difference. So when they said that, and so when I saw that, rather than sitting up and saying, well, and, and please understand, this is not in any means trying to tell you how to eat. You do what you want. Um, but, but, but when I saw that, I said, now, I would be a fool to go out and go get me a number one. Y'all know the number one from McDonald's. It's a Big Mac. And then I would tell them, and now make that fresh. I don't want that one that you made for somebody else who didn't want it. And then I figured out that I'd get fresher fries if I told them no salt. I didn't know that one. Somebody had to hit me to that one. I said, oh, okay. So no salt on my fries. I'll put it on there. And then, you know, because I was trying to be healthier, and I was like, and a Diet Coke. Don't judge me. And then watch this, because I'm, I'm teaching correction. I saw the fact that that just was not food. So I said to myself, now I can keep eating this. Okay. I can keep eating this fake sugar, which by the time your body gets it, you, you drink and diet, but you wonder why you gain weight. You gain weight because your body can't process the chemical. So it just makes it fat by default. You're like, I don't drink regular drinks. I just drink diet. But I gained 40 pounds. I don't know. I, here's the deal. When I got correct information, I was corrected. So I didn't sit back and try to justify my error. I just said, in the name of Jesus, give me the grace to drive past Wendy's. Come on here. Good times. Well, now, five guys is still real because they say real meat now. So I just one step at a time, one step at a time. Now just leave them alone. Leave them alone. I said, Lord, give me the grace to not go to Taco Bell. Because, you know, after 10, ain't too many options. So, Lord, I rebuke the Mexi Melt spirit. I rebuke the grilled stuffed burritos and the cinnamon twists. With an extra large Mountain Dew. Diet. <laughs> Got it? And that simple change, that simple change, say correction. I heeded the correction by the information I got. And that simple thing, Bishop, Bishop, you okay? Bishop, you okay? Since the beginning of this year, I have now, as of yesterday, I have now lost over 55 pounds. Now, I'm not saying that because now I got a bunch of stuff to give away. <laughs> I'm just saying that to say I allowed correction to come 
So today I'm healthier because of that. Amen. Now I'm not judging you if after church you're going to go have you a double cheeseburger and a value fry and a value shake and a value three cookies. Two oatmeal raisin, one chocolate chip. I'm just making a point that when I was corrected, I didn't fight the correction. I took it and said, okay, let me change. I, I, didn't, I didn't take no diet pills. I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't starve myself. I eat and I eat well. It's one of my gifts, amen. It's part of the apostolic, the ability to eat foundation. Okay, you hear what I'm saying? I, I, I wish I could tell you that I was at the gym every day. If I told you that, I could tell you that. But if I told you that, that wouldn't be telling the truth. I simply corrected how I ate. And I didn't fight it. Say, Lord, Lord when I can be corrected, I can be protected. Last thing. Timothy traveled with Paul for the next few years throughout uh, Figeria and Galatia. He went into Europe and Philippi, Thessalonica, and he went back to some other cities. And later on, he rejoined Paul uh, in the city of Corinth where he aided him in evangelizing that city. So he traveled with him. He made himself a student so much so that he adjusted his whole life to be where he was. He adjusted his whole life to make sure he was in a position of receiving. Because he did not want to confuse himself and make himself think that he knew what he did not know. So he adjusted his whole life. And listen to this. He arrives uh, at the city of Corinth just after the book of 1 Corinthians is, is, uh, is written. And that letter reaches the city. And the letter wasn't received well uh, by the Corinthian church. And uh, he goes back to tell Paul. And Paul says, I tell you what I'm going to do, Timothy. I'm sending you there as my representation. He said, I can't be there. But in chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians, he says, but for this reason, I'm going to send you, Timothy, to where you can be an example of everything you've seen me teach. So you can be a representation of everything you've seen me teach. Here it is, last point. You might be young, but you're ready to represent. Now remember, your blank could be something else. Say, I'm ready to represent. Say it again, I'm ready to represent. The Apostle Paul says, I've got nobody like Timothy, so he sends him. He says, I want you to represent me, son. And I want you to show them what the kingdom looks like. I want you to show them how we talk. I want you to show them how we walk. I want you to show them how we act. I want you to show them how when sickness comes, we don't back down, but we cast it out. I want you to show them how when disorder shows up, we don't try to figure out the demon's name because the demon knows our name. And when light shows up, darkness leaves. I want you to show them how to be the light. I want you to show them how to be the head and not the tail. I want you to represent me. Show them exactly what this Jesus thing is all about. And I'm here to make an announcement to all of us in this place and all of those watching online. You might be whatever your blank is but God says I'm ready to use you as a representation of me whether it's on your job whether it's at your school whether it's in your family wherever it is I'm ready for you to show them what a conqueror looks like 
If you want to see a miracle, just look over at your neighbor. Because after all the hell that your neighbor's been through, they're still standing. And they're still in their right mind. And they could be depressed, but they're not. They could be sad, but they're not. They could be down and defeated, but they're not. Why? Because they're representing something far greater than them. Say, I'm a representative. I'm through, but I want to get this principle to you. In government, we send ambassadors to different countries to represent the interests of our country. The scripture calls you and I ambassadors. Check, check this out. Check this out. Check this out. I'm through. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, Jeremiah says, I knew you. And I had already ordained or set something that you were supposed to do. So when your mother met your father, regardless of the conditions and circumstances in which they met, I chose God, that is. He chose that that time and that that seed would be the seed that would get your spirit here. You missed what I just said. That's the reason you couldn't be aborted. That's the reason you couldn't be died. That's the reason that even though the doctor said this and that, that it didn't happen. Because God says, I need you here and I need you here for such a time as this. But now when I'm sending you, I'm not just sending you so you can live to pay bills. I'm in fifth gear now. When I send you, I'm not just sending you so you can perpetuate the mess of the bloodline you came out of. When I send you, I'm not just sending you so you can be broke and messed up and jacked up. When I send you, I'm sending you to be my ambassador. And it's interesting because an ambassador, the embassy always looks different than the country it's in. You can go to the United States Embassy in some of the poorest countries in the world, but the embassy looks rich, and yet the country looks poor. Because the embassy is a representation of the kingdom it came from, not the one it's currently occupied. Which means they may be laying everybody else off, but because you're the kingdom, and you've got a kingdom embassy, because you're an ambassador, what's going on around you doesn't even affect you. But then, but then not only is the embassy look different, check this out, <laughs> but the kingdom or the nation that sent the ambassador is responsible for covering all of the expenses that the ambassador needs and wants. Okay, I can see I ain't got no king speaking English. Huh? And my God shall supply Oh my, you know why? Because when I make a decision to be the ambassador, when I make a decision to represent, I've never seen the righteous forsaken and I've never seen his seed beg. Why? Because I'm an ambassador and daddy's got to pay the bill. The kingdom's got to pay the bill. Can I take it a little further? But not only is the kingdom that sends you responsible for all of your expenses, but while you're, watch this. Now, this is going to make me shout. <clears throat> this is going to make me shout. Touch your neighbor and say, this is going to shout the bishop. Not only are they responsible for your expenses, but while you're in that foreign country as an ambassador, there's something called diplomatic immunity. Let me talk over here because they ain't saying nothing. 
I know I started a little slow today, but that's all right. I'm going to finish it strong. I'm going to finish it strong. Diplomatic immunity means even if I do something wrong, while I'm in your country, you can't prosecute me. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.